Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, March 14th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... It's Equal Pay Day. We examine the wage gap and where it still persists in Mississippi. Then the Department of Health issues a new directive to combat the rise in congenital syphilis. Plus, a new tax deduction incentive looks to help bolster community endowments. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today is National Equal Pay Day, an annual observance that highlights the ongoing challenge of pay disparity between working men and women. The date, which changes every year, serves as a symbol of how long into the year women must work to make as much as men during the previous year. According to a recent national study by Pew Research, women make around 82 percent of what men make in the same job. That gap is wider in Mississippi and even more so between women of color and white men. Last year, state lawmakers passed the Equal Pay for Equal Work Act to address the state's lack of local equal pay protections. But Cassandra Welchland of the Black Women's Roundtable says the law needs revision to truly fulfill the promise of wage equality. She tells our Kobe Vance it's the most regressive equal pay legislation in the nation. It does a couple of things that continues to widen the wage gap for women, and particularly black and brown women in this state. The bill under the new Equal Pay Act, um, employers aren't required to pay a woman more um, based on her salary history and if she has gaps in her work history. Well, we know that women come, go go to one job to the next job from based on salary history. And and we also know that women are caregivers for their communities, so I mean for their families. And so if she has a baby or if she is off work for caregiving for another family member, she can get penalized uh, because of her employment gaps. And, again, that's quite punitive. Women work in the state of Mississippi, um, but yet we also are caregivers. And when you think about um, after the pandemic, um, 
you know, it exposed how the work performed primarily by women, and particularly black and brown women, um, has long been and continues to be undervalued and underpaid. And so Mississippi's law is not um, a law that works in um, in her favor. And so Mississippi um, could do better, and we're hoping that in the next, um, maybe next legislative session, then we can strengthen that law um, so that women can have the full protections that they need. I wanted to talk about as well the racial disparities that we see in pay. What are your thoughts on how people of color, black men and women, um, or brown women, men and women, what do you think could be done to close that gap? Yeah, so, you know, women of color um, who face both race and sex discrimination in the workplace experience the most significant losses uh, within this group. Um, nationally, black women are paid 64 cents for every dollar paid to a white non-Hispanic man. Latinas at the national level get paid 54 cents and Native women 51 cents. When we talk about, you know, in Mississippi, um, black women get paid 56 cents on the dollar. And so it doesn't matter what her employment, um, where she works, what her um, what her occupation is, or even her education level, um, she's still losing a significant amount of money. And those losses directly harm women and by limiting their ability to meet basic needs, plan for financial emergencies. And we know we've had a lot of emergencies, particularly, you know, in this pandemic. Um, and when you think about it, in Jackson from the water crisis, this um, inability to, you know, save for retirement, all of those things are controlling factors. And so, you know, women could be doing so much more um, if they had the rest of their money to save. We have a long way to go in Mississippi as we talk about this national equal pay day um, in this country. Um, Mississippi, we have a long way to go, and we could definitely do better. Women work. Women work in the state of Mississippi. We are half the workforce, two-thirds of the minimum wage earners, and we're working and we're contributing not only to our to our family but to our local and our state economy. And so we matter. And it's, it's right that the state of Mississippi do everything in its power to close that wage gap so that women can be economically secure. Why do you think it's important to have this statute in Mississippi versus just relying on the national law? The federal law, there are so many loopholes, you know, in that law. And so that's why we wanted to create a law that was stronger, such as um, making sure there, um, that we ban salary history, right? Um, we know, again, that, you know, a, whim, a woman's salary history follows her from one job to the next. Well, the state of Mississippi can put in place um, a law that will restrict employers um, from asking for um, their salary history. The other thing that a good equal pay law would have done is pay transparency, not penalizing workers who discuss their pay 
on the job or not banning them because oftentimes an employee doesn't know what her colleague may be making. The other thing is just around that it's not just based on gender, but also it's based on race. Again, in Mississippi, um, black women and brown women are paid less than white women. White women in Mississippi, I believe, is making 75 cents. Black women make 56 cents on the dollar. And so we needed a law that was really strong that not just covered gender, but also that covered race. If the state of Mississippi would pass a good equal pay bill, it would cut the poverty rate in half, and we have the highest poverty rate um, in this country. It will contribute four point fifteen billion dollars back into the state's economy. That's a lot of resources. And when you have a a, a state that has high poverty rate, um, you have a state um, that has not just high poverty rate among women but also among children. Um, we need all of those resources to go back into the community because um, women's pocketbooks matter to their kitchen table. We are workers, we are caregivers. We are, you know, moms and daughters, and so we need every dollar because we are workers and we do live in this state and we contribute to our economy. Our pocketbooks matter to our kitchen tables. Our pocketbooks matter to our local economy, and our pocketbooks matter to the state's economy. And so Mississippi, let's be fair and make sure that women have what they need in order to be economically secure. Cassandra Welchin is with the Mississippi Black Women's Roundtable. Cassandra, thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you. Pay disparities also prevent, are prevalent rather, among Mississippi's immigrant workers who are often paid far less than those with citizenship. Coming up, the Department of Health issues a new directive to combat the rise in congenital syphilis. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Mississippi Department of Health is issuing new testing requirements to curb a spike in congenital syphilis. The state is experiencing an exponential rise in the number of infants born with the disease. Under the new directive, physicians practicing prenatal care now must issue a syphilis test to their patients either in the first trimester or at the patient's first visit. Dr. Thomas Dobbs, Dean of the School of Population Health at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, tells our Lacey Alexander the mandate brings the state on par with most of the nation. The vast majority of states already have this requirement because syphilis is such a devastating illness during pregnancy. We've seen a phenomenal increase in the number of babies born with syphilis over the past four or five years. It's really, it's really kind of astounding and, and unprecedented. 
But it's something that's also really easily treated. So if you find a mom early in pregnancy that's infected with syphilis, and if you give her just you know one or three shots of, of penicillin, depending on how long she's had it, it's entirely curative of the mom and the baby. But we have too many moms who aren't getting into prenatal care or not getting tested early enough or getting the proper treatment, and it's leading to really, really bad outcomes. I talked to some pediatricians around the state about this earlier last week, and one of them said that this was a practice that they already implement. They already consider this a standard. Do most hospitals in the state operate that way? And if so, why do you think we're still seeing such a star, such a sharp rise in cases? You know, it does appear that most hospitals do test for syphilis at the time of delivery, but it's really important to get the moms early. It, it seems like moms with syphilis are definitely getting uh, checked a lot less often than you know than, than the general population. So there are there's a subset of of women who will benefit from this. So if you break it into about a third, some of the biggest missed opportunities include delayed prenatal care about a third of the time, not getting tested about a third of the time, and then not getting timely or adequate treatment about the other third. Each one of those different issues has a different strategy to sort of improve upon our situation, and getting tested. You know that that middle part of that third that that takes care of it if every every mom gets tested. And I believe the order said in the first trimester or the first time that they are seen. So that kind of answers a little bit of your other third of women who uh, maybe get prenatal care too late. Would you agree with that? No, absolutely. I mean, getting prenatal care too late is a huge issue. But we do know that 64% of moms who are diagnosed with syphilis actually do have prenatal care in the first trimester. So most do, although um, it's a certainly different, you know, that it's not enough. We really want 100% of women to get prenatal care in the first trimester. But we do know it's, it's a huge chunk of the problem. And when we look at these numbers uh, that have risen in syphilis cases, do you see that these hospitals that are testing women prematurely are still seeing a little bit of a problem, or are we seeing specifically where on the map these hospitals that are clearly not testing, are we able to see that from this data? You know, I, I do not have that information as far as like, because it, it's going to be individual doctor's offices, right? So it's going to be dispersed across a lot of different clinics, and we don't really have that data available to us at this time, although it's something that we certainly would want to look at through, you know, the Department of Health. So that is certainly a big, a, a big issue. But we think with doctors understanding the challenge and understanding what needs to happen, we really think that a combined effort of getting women into prenatal care, making sure they're tested, and we've got other efforts underway, especially through the State Department of Health a healthy Moms, Healthy Baby program. It's a it's a nurse home visiting program where they're very interested and really want to take referrals from doctor's offices to send a nurse into the home to visit with these moms to make sure not only are they getting adequate testing and treatment, but also, you know, that they have other needs taken care of if they have other sort of challenges with, you know, the other sort of social determinants of health like transportation uh, and that sort of thing. Because this order has been implemented, does that mean uh, moms that are getting care under Medicaid will also receive these tests by this requirement? Yes, ab- absolutely. They, um, women who have Medicaid are definitely, you know, pay for this, you know, this testing and for the treatment and would, would be under this order as well. And because we've seen this problem arise, like you said, it's not a requirement in all states. But now that we've seen this problem and now that the Department of Health has implemented this order, do you think this order is here to stay for a while at least? 
I think it will be here for for a while at least. I mean, the the, the positive impact of finding it early and getting treated is really hard to overstate. Um, it's about a forty percent mortality rate of a baby in the womb, or or, or you know at, at birth, if it's untreated syphilis during pregnancy. So we know it's a huge impact, and you know just finding these women early enough and making sure they get the treatment that they need and, and their babies are cured. I mean, the impact goes well beyond, um, you know even just the health of the baby, um, it also makes sure that we can help in the community too to make sure that other partners are treated to make sure there's not, you know, ongoing transmission to other folks. It's really sort of a, it's a positive feedback cycle. If we can just find as many cases as quickly as possible, the healthcare system and the public health system can do the good work it needs to do. And one last question for you, something that I personally am curious about, off the topic of the actual order from the State Department of Health, going back to really the genesis of this problem, why are we seeing a rise in syphilis specifically and not other STDs, do you think? Well, we are seeing a rise in STDs overall, but the syphilis increase, so like the general population, we're seeing a general rise in STDs, and it's increasing gonorrhea, chlamydia, and syphilis. And sadly, Mississippi is is a leader in all three of those. What we're seeing is, is sort of like a shift where more women are getting syphilis, and because we have a lot of healthcare challenges in Mississippi, you know, where women don't have insurance, a quarter of working-age people in Mississippi don't have insurance, so we have access to care issues. We've had a concentration of obstetric care into, you know, more urban areas with a with a degradation of rural health care has been a real challenge. But the other part of it is public health infrastructure has really been devastated over the past couple of decades through a whole bunch of factors. It's it's a national phenomenon, but it's really even worse in Mississippi. And the health department's the ones who take care of sexually transmitted infections normally. And if we don't have those resources available in the community, this should not be a surprise. It's just important to make sure every mom knows the absolute importance of early prenatal care because it goes well beyond syphilis, right? It's going to be high blood pressure or other sort of things that are that are more danger you know that are dangerous for for moms and babies in the womb. So prenatal care is super important, but also I think it's important for moms to advocate for themselves and make sure that they're getting all the tests that they need early in pregnancy and and make sure that they know they need a syphilis test also. Thank you so much for chatting with us and educating us on all of this. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is Dean of the School of Population Health at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Coming up, a new tax deduction incentive looks to help bolster community endowments. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. MPB Think Radio. Whatever your taste, news, music, storytelling, or how-to shows. Whatever your city, Natchez, Jackson, Tupelo, Cleveland. However you want. Radio, smart speaker, smartphone app. MPB Think Radio. Thanks to our sustaining members who provide ongoing monthly financial support. You can become a sustainer, too. Go to mpbonline.org and click Donate Now at the top of the page. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A brand-new Mississippi legal provision called Endow Mississippi allows donors to give via local endowments. This program could provide a vehicle to augment the special funds senior communities need to keep them in their homes even after they outlive their finances. Brittany Cuevas is vice president of philanthropy at Methodist Senior Services in Tupelo. She explains how this new tax incentive can help groups like hers care 
for local communities. For the first time, Methodist Senior Services has teamed up with the local community foundations in Mississippi. And what we've done is we've created endowment funds at those community foundations that are campus-specific. For example, the Gulf Coast Community Foundation around the Gulfport area, we have a campus called Seashore Highlands Retirement Community. So at that community foundation, you can go donate to the Seashore Highlands Endowment Fund and when you do that at a qualifying community foundation, you get to receive a state tax credit, so a 25% tax credit off of your state income taxes. So you would get your regular tax deduction as well as the state income tax credit. But that's only through the community foundations. It's a unique initiative in Mississippi called Endow Mississippi Tax Credit. So it's a really innovative tool for donors, not just for our donors, but for any donor across the state. You know, if they make a contribution to a permanent endowment held at a qualifying community foundation, they get to access that tax credit. How do you know what is and is not a community foundation? So Mississippi Alliance um, has a listing of those. And if you go to the website endowmississippi.org, you can find out what those community foundations are. Are there a lot of them? There are seven qualifying community foundations in the state of Mississippi. And so of those seven, we have funds at six of those. So mm -hmm. our, our campuses fell within six of those community foundations, and we have 10 endowment funds held at those six community foundations that are campus-specific. Do you think a lot of Mississippians know about community foundations? Um, I would say there's a need for more awareness for sure. And this tax incentive, you know, is a great way to spread the good news about community foundations. We are in Tupelo. Our home office is in Tupelo, Mississippi. That's where Methodist Senior Services was birthed. Um, and Create Foundation is a phenomenal foundation that's actually known across the southeast Mississippi. Um, and it is very popular in this area because of the great work that they do. But as I've gotten to know these directors across the state, you know, they're, some of them are really getting started in the last 10 to 15 years. And so they're excited about the growth and the opportunities for the future. And I do think that awareness is only going to grow. Have you been able to benefit from this new provision? How long has it been in place? So 2023 is the last guaranteed year for this tax credit provision. However, I did talk to P.K. Thomas, who's the development director at Create Foundation, just to ask him, you know, I know they're in session right now in legislation. Have they passed the you know, the bill for this to continue. And he said it has been passed in the House and it's sitting at the Senate Finance Committee. And so we're hoping it passes for Mississippi legislation to continue this initiative. And we, we are pretty hopeful that it will continue because it's such a wonderful benefit to donors across the state. So this provision, in order to really do what you'd like it to do, you would like to see the legislature continue it. Correct. Yes, absolutely, because it's such a motivation for donors to contribute, you know, to the future of, of their charity of choice. So a tax credit, you know, donors have philanthropic hearts. You know, some are going to donate no matter what deduction they get. But why not incentivize them to contribute to charities across the state and get that tax credit? Anything that I didn't ask you that's important to point out about this? 
Yeah. So the minimum gift for this tax credit is $1,000 at these community foundations. So if you give $1,000, you would receive a $250 state tax credit. And the maximum gift is 200000 and you would get a $50,000 tax credit. And there is a cap on these tax credits. So in current in the current bill, there's a $500,000 tax credit that's available for the whole state. So each community foundation has $50,000 in tax credits, but then there's a general pool of $150,000. So once the Gulf Coast uses their 50, then they can dip into the general pool. So there's a lot of details that you know are involved. So Brittany Cuevas with Mississippi Methodist Senior Services, thank you so much for uh, enlightening us about this development within Dow, Mississippi. And we'll see what the legislature does to keep it going if they decide to reinstate it. Yes. And those applications, Desiree, are available at endowmississippi.org. And you can also find out more information on our website, mss.org. So they would give those tax credit applications to the community foundation, and it's like you're reserving your tax credit. Well, again, thank you, Brittany Cuevas. We appreciate your time. Thank you, Desiree. I really appreciate yours, too. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.